Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Builder Nation podcast, where we speak with engineering and operations professionals about anything hardware, right? Innovation, creating new things. I'm Marcus, and I'll be speaking with Jonathan Azadi today. Um, engineer, innovator, and future Mars colonist. We got to dive into that a little bit further. Uh, but J Jonathan, hey, great to have you on. Please introduce yourself, share a little bit about where you're coming from, what you're working on today. So uh, I'm an aerospace engineer. I'm really interested in things to do with uh, energy and propulsion. Uh, I love designing vehicles, so uh, vehicle architecture uh, and problem solving. I, I like I like to be sort of a, a Sherlock Holmes of engineering, like, oh, why is this machine making this noise? Well, <laughs> let's let's figure it out. Let's pull up the drawings. Uh, let's 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 watch it operating. Let's collect some de data and uh, I'll write you a nice PowerPoint for why I think it's making the noise. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm a big Sherlock Holmes guy. Uh, Watson, too. Got to give the shout out. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone. In, in today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, entrepreneurship and hardware. Uh, really grateful to have Jonathan on. Um, we're his background, right? Um, coming from founding a company to now working at Zero Avia. It'd be great, Jonathan, if, if you could share maybe where you started, right? What got you interested uh, in aerospace engineering and what you're working on today? Then we can hit on uh, what makes the hardware engineering uh, industry successful. Like, uh, how do uh, operations and engineering teams work together? any future trends that you might be seeing and really advice for folks listening. They, they could be engineers, maybe folks still in college, or maybe someone out there is founding a company and, and could really benefit from your expertise there. Um, so please, Jonathan, why don't you open it up and, and share with the folks what kind of got you excited about aerospace engineering to begin with? What got you into the industry? So yeah, we we can do we can do all that. Let's start from uh, let's start from what got me started. Um, I I wanted to be an astronaut originally. Um, I, I was always interested in space. Um, I I have I wear glasses. I have uh, terrible vision. <laughs> I'm wearing <laughs> contact lenses right now, so uh, <laughs> that's that's where that's why that's why I'm not wearing them. So I was told uh, I was not going to make it as an Air Force pilot. Uh, and that's the the main path to being uh, an astronaut. And uh, other reasons, I figured I. I'd, I'd be happy working on rockets and designing things that, that do go into space. So I went and I studied uh, aerospace engineering at Embry-Riddle. I got myself a, a solid scholarship and I figured, all right, I'll go learn aerospace engineering and learn to fly airplanes. And that'll set me on the path and let's see how it goes. So I did okay. that. Uh, but first I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to want to be a test pilot. And I'm um, going through the classes, learning flying. I'm like, well, you know, flying, flying is really hard. Test piloting seems cool, but the odds of death are really high. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe let's stick to the engineering side of it. So I, I look at the engineering. I'm getting into my more advanced engineering classes at Embry-Riddle, learning about jets and rockets. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is my passion. Uh, I, like, I like these really fast spinning machines. So uh, I, I, I specialized. At that point, that was when I needed to decide to specialize, I specialized in propulsion. And uh, in those days, well, it's probably still that, the, the focus in propulsion was gas turbine engines. So traditional, you know, suck in air, compress it, squirt fuel, explode it, shoot it out the back. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all it was. And so I took an internship in that uh, at MTU Aero Engines in Germany. I went and I was manufacturing uh, gas turbine engine parts. And uh, I, I thought it was really fun. You know, you walk through the factory and you see like a disc 
of uh, Inconel, which is a uh, aerospace uh, material that is capable of withstanding very high temperatures and corrosive environments. Um, and they'd say, all right, this disc here costs as much as a Mercedes E-Class. And this disc costs as wow. much as a Mercedes G-Wagon. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is their expensive engines. And it's a funny way to show how much each disc costs. And the disc doesn't even have the blades on it yet. So I, uh, I come back from my internship back to Embry-Riddle ready to like become a gas turbine engineer. I'm like, wow, I did the internship. Love the stuff. Let's do it. So um, designed some more gas turbines in my, in my senior, uh, senior design classes. And I'm ready to go. Then I graduate. Tesla comes along. They came to our school and they're like, hey, uh, we're recruiting, uh, we're recruiting people for, for Tesla. You want to come work in California? And I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that seems really cool. What, what kind of jobs? Like, well, we need a propulsion guy. A propulsion oh. guy? <laughs> I'm a propulsion that. guy. <laughs> so I went there and I'm like, I, at that moment it clicked and I switched and I'm like, I'm probably never going back to gas turbines. And then I learned, I, I, I learned how to do it electric. So uh, I, I learned about electric motors. I was working on the, um, the motor team at Tesla. Um, we, were, we were doing parts for the uh, induction, um, AC induction motor. It was gorgeous. That's, <laughs> it was a cool, awesome. cool company. I'm, I'm curious, you know, making that transition to, to Tesla and going electric, what were the key differences there? Maybe how did, how did your role change? Uh, the, the bigger differences were that the output of the shaft was not turning a compressor. Uh, there was nobody calculating blade angles and air pressures. It was sort of torque. We were just focusing on the torque. But um, I was sort of shaping, shaping copper, uh, shaping steel, um, working with uh, manufacturing and um, a lot of CAD. Uh, that's, that's, that's been a recurring theme, you know, like lots of CATIA, SolidWorks. There's more, more similarities than differences. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about how to take something from, from the drawing board to making thousands of it in a factory, how to solve problems and actually implement the solution at a factory level. How do you manage a part, uh, an assembly, a system of parts in a, um, in a corporate design uh, entity environment? I wanna say that's, that's so important for hardware. The second you're not focused, you're wasting money and hardware is expensive. You got to keep your engineering very tight. You need to be going in that direction and nowhere else. Otherwise you're bleeding money and uh, your startup will fail. And you mentioned moving in one direction. What would you say are those teams doing differently? Is the collaboration tighter uh, across the board for, for folks who are you know, moving in that direction and staying laser focused or, or where are the gaps for companies who might be missing in that regard? Well, uh, if a company is looking for product market fit, right, this is, this is going to be a CEO's job. This is not necessarily on the engineering team. It's like we need to decide where we're going to put our efforts. And uh, entrepreneurship is an experiment. And an experiment, you need to apply the scientific method. You know, you have a hypothesis. You have to test the hypothesis. But a lot of people feel like if, if they're not uh, doing things, and I, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm holding a hammer. Everything's a nail. I want to engineer things. I want to design <laughs> new parts. I want to print new parts. I want to build new parts, but that is not the first step, should never be the first step. You need to have your hypothesis that this product, this invention, this process is going to solve this problem for these people and they'll pay this money. Once you've got that figured out, once that is um, solid in your mind as the CEO of this company, if you're the CEO in this company, 
then you're like, all right, how are we going to execute this uh, with hardware? How do we spend as little as possible to prove that our technology solves this in this way and gets us this money? Imagine you have a pipette of uh, engineering and you put one drop of engineering and then see how it goes. And then when it goes well, you put another drop of engineering and like your engineers are going to hate this. <laughs> They're going to be like, what, what are we doing? We, our hands are tied. But no, you just another pipette, another drop and um, keep turning it up as, as, as the success happens. And then when, when you realize when that, that formula is happening, focus, laser focus on that. So it's kind of like keep, keep it reined in. Don't hire all the engineers until you you need the scale. You know, have have a core team, and being in that core team is is tough because you need to have people that know how to do everything. Or an even more important skill, know how to know what you don't know. Know how to find people that know how to do it and ask them the right questions so that you can do it. I think that's a great segue into how you took that your experience at Tesla and went out and started your own company, a mothership. Right. So if you don't mind sharing with the folks who are listening. Um, kind of that experience and the learning curve there, um, your experience starting your own business. Starting, starting Mothership Aeronautics, I, I was fascinated by the idea of, um, of having a, an airship that could uh, be self-sustaining, that could generate its own power in flight. The first step was to create a prototype of a solar-powered airship, which uh, I was able to obtain from, uh, from Boost VC, a $25,000 investment. And uh, we, we produced the prototype in around two months and successfully nice. demonstrated it here in Sunnyvale. That's exciting. Shout out to the Bay Area. I'm over here in San Jose. That's, oh, that's, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you again for hopping on so early. Really, really happy that we could, we could dive into this. So you, you get the thing flying. Talk, talk us through some other some, uh, learning experiences you had in that company. What, what challenges did you face? There are a lot of challenges. Uh, it's, it's, it's aerospace, uh, it's aviation. There are rules about what can fly. When I first started the company, um, there was no part 107. For those of you that uh, don't know, part 107 is a section of FAA regulation that allows for the use of commercial drones, which before that were simply not allowed for commercial use. You could not fly a drone for money. Um, wow. Part 107 said, well, as long as your drone is under 55 pounds, and uh, flies under 400 feet um, in daylight and not over people and you don't operate it out of a moving car and maybe some other uh, details, you can legally fly a drone for pay. And uh, that created a resurgence in the drone industry. So uh, Mothership Aeronautics started like two months before 107 kicked in. And uh, after starting Mothership Aeronautics, I went to Interdrone and I found a, a bustling community and uh, a lot of uh, excitement and uh, happy people that were like building, building a whole new world in, in drones. And um, I, I jumped right in and I was like, all right, well, we got to design a Mothership Aeronautics first product as, as a, a drone. It's got to be under 55 pounds and it's got to fly like this under 400 feet. And so I tried to make the product as another drone that that may, may have been to, to one extent a mistake. Uh, I, I saw a problem that we were solving, which was pipeline inspections. It's, and um, looking back now, if I want to look at the most direct path to solve the problem, you know, I was, I was a guy with a hammer and my hammer was a blimp and everything looked like a nail. Uh, if 
today, if I, if I, if somebody gave me the problem, you need to inspect the hundred miles of pipeline. You want to not endanger people's lives and you want to save money and not uh, damage the environment with, uh, you know, helicopter emissions. What do you do? I'd say, all right, well, a, um, a, a hybrid airplane, a hybrid VTOL drone airplane uh, costs around the same as a blimp, but it's way easier to use. Blimps are actually really difficult to fly. They're difficult to set up and you need helium. So um, after uh, running Mothership Aeronautics for four years, I came to the uh, um, conclusion, revelation that a Part 107 drone uh, that is a solar powered blimp is, is a cool toy, but really that's not, that's not where the solar powered blimp really shines. You got to go big. You're not going to do it with $1.8 million, uh, which is what Mothership Aeronautics raised. Uh, and you need to be solving big problems. But uh, it does make sense. Um, well, I, I think the next step to talk about here is, is your transition into, into Zero Avia and how you leverage that knowledge there and, and what you're working on currently. If you wouldn't mind sharing uh, for the folks listening what you're working on with the company today. Zero Avia is, is very exciting in what we're doing. Um, we are so I, I found Zero Avia uh, through a, a job posting that basically listed a job that was a hybrid between what I'd been doing at Tesla and what I've been doing at Mothership Aeronautics. It's like hydrogen fuel cell powered electric propulsion uh, systems for airplanes. And when I heard that, I immediately thought, yes, that makes <laughs> sense. What the company's doing makes sense, and I I want to do that. I'm taking a step back and and, and looking at maybe the future of the industry. Right, or maybe some advice that you might have to, to folks in college or, or looking for that next role, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing your perspective in that regard. I'd say get, get an internship uh, as soon as possible. Um, college does not prepare you for uh, what companies look like, what jobs there are. You know, I, I, I realized after working at a company, I'm like, all right, this, this job, for example, uh, instrumentation guy, like a test engineer, uh, I had a class in college called structures and instrumentation. There was just one class, you know, it was like three hours a week for, for four months and structures and instrumentation. While it was one class for me, was a whole job for another guy that I, I ended up working with a, a guy that does that. And uh, it go, it goes pretty deep, but you, you just brush over all these things in college and your professors don't, necessarily always tell you like hey this is a whole specialization or here's a field that basically relies on these two classes like for example test engineer you know test engineer essentially they're they're uh they're a project manager they're they're a scientist they work on instrumentation they look at a lot of data um there's there's a lot of a lot of jobs that don't fit into like i feel like a college degree prepares you for like a pinnacle job and i'd say like um my, my college degree specifically prepared me to be a mechanical design engineer for uh, gas turbine engines. You need to know what the options are. If you specialize early, you have a better shot of getting what you want. I like that. I like that. And, and maybe you could speak to, to company structure. I, I think you, you at Tesla had an experience where you, able, you were able to run at full speed. Maybe you could speak to the, the differing um, organizational structures or growth opportunities with varying startups and how important that is. Oh yeah. So depending on your startup size, uh, the the scope of your role may change. Uh, I look at, for example, Tesla. Like there were times at Tesla when I was I was working more than the traditional work week, uh, numbers of hours that may may shock people. But uh, there was nobody that was telling me that I need I need to work that much. It was sort of like for somebody that's passionate, 
they give you opportunities and you, you go you go to a traditional company and it's kind of like the army you know it's like you're given a project you're given a role you stay in that and uh that's it if you do a good job you're expected to do a good job uh you will get rewarded in what five years you may get a promotion but kind of like in the army you know if, if if you're a lieutenant you can be a captain in 10 years uh oh but i did a good job we don't care in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> you can be a good captain or a bad captain but it'll happen in 10 years so um you know a lot of traditional especially aerospace companies are kind of like that and they're very siloed but you know at tesla it's kind of like when 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 there's a problem they need you know some somebody or a few people on it when when that happens you have the ball when you have the ball you run and uh it's like all the doors start opening for you people start to help you you get resources and uh you don't want to go home <laughs> you 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 want to solve it you you want to yeah. kill it uh and it's it's fun because you know this is this if this is what you wanted to do you're you're getting to do it and you're getting to do it fast and you're you're learning along the way and there you know you learn how to ask people for help when you need it and uh you grow you can you grow into the size of your your uh your tank and you basically you have a bigger tank there if in the world where we're all fish <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for that analogy i was searching for <laughs> You know, gas tank. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. well, hey, Jonathan, I want to, one of your respectful of time. We are coming up here uh, at eight o'clock. You know, you have another meeting, but thank you for hopping on for, for this podcast interview. I know everyone who's listening really benefited from your journey, right? Starting a company to what you're working on today and, and your learning experiences, especially for folks who are in college and figuring out what their next step is. Get out there, do yep. an internship, look for the right fit in terms of company and growth. And don't be afraid to, to run with the ball and wear multiple hats. That's it. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Marcus. This is Yeah, of course, uh, Jonathan. Of course. Awesome. And before we close out the call, I always like to leave a section at the end. If uh, you want to insert a plug, maybe if people can get in touch or want to follow you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, I'd say uh, LinkedIn is a good spot to find me. Uh, Jonathan Great. Nutsati. That's All me. right. And we look forward to uh, big things to come in the future here with her mothership. Uh, aeronautics looking forward to seeing the carrier uh, flying <laughs> around one day <laughs> thank you marcus